Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. With Lee Lonsberry, from Utah's Capitol Hill to your schools, Texas, and all the breaking news. Hear it on Live Mike with Lee Lonsberry on KSL News Radio. Kids and the coronavirus, how are they being impacted? Let me start by having a little fun with you. Here's a song uh, producer Gustavo dug up, produced by the Cartoon Network. Have a listen. Now here's a few tips so you don't get sick. We gotta fight the germs that make your nose drip. Cover your mouth when you cough or sneeze. And that'll put everyone at ease. Don't touch your eyes, mouth or nose, cause that's where all the naughty germs go. Wash your hands before every meal. A 20-second scrub, please, that's the deal. Same goes when you use the loop. Wash your hands and dry them too. Be safe, be cool. Be safe, be cool. You think that's effective? Have your kids been singing that song around the house? Have they heard it on Cartoon Network? The reason I bring this up, I the other day uh, was with a bunch of youngsters. Little baby Piper has this uh, group of friends. They're a little bit older than her. Some of them can talk and walk around. She's still learning all those things. But I noticed that amongst these kids that, you know, talking about the coronavirus was second nature. And I heard little comments that were jarring about, like, uh, invisible germs and an absolute terror uh, of touching things and the necessity of a mask and how, you know, asking mommy and daddy uh, if the if the virus was going to get them. That is, right now, practically, is healthy behavior, right? If there is a certain level of uh, you know, apprehension about the virus uh, hell, felt by these children, then they will will act in a way that will safeguard them from it. You hope. You know, it's it's unfortunate that behavior in this case is motivated by fear, but you know, we get there. Maybe that fear leads to uh, you know behavior that ultimately leads to uh, mitigation of the spread of the virus. Okay, but how about this? Uh, let's let's look forward uh, to a day when the the virus is miles and miles behind us. You and I aren't too worried about uh, washing our hands as religiously as we have been. Masks are certain a thing of the uh, certainly to become a thing of ancient history, uh, and the social distancing can be relaxed, and we can finally uh, shake the hands of our coworkers and hug those that we love again. How about? How about those children uh, who are right now at very formative years? Their young minds are uh, just now developing the habits which will serve them uh, throughout their life. 
what is to come of them? Again, growing up in a time where all uh, everyone around them is wearing masks, where there is an invisible threat constantly prowling over our shoulders, what happens when it is time to return uh, to normal? First off, there's an assumption there. I sure as heck hope that we're able to return to normal someday. But for the sake of conversation, let's assume we're there. How do you teach those little children not that we are returning to normal, because for them, as they have grown, their normal their normal has been to be afraid of this invisible virus, this invisible threat. What are the conversations like between uh, you and your children? And how do you expect, once all this is behind us, to, to be able to, to explain to them that, no, you, you know, you can take your mask off, son. Yeah, daughter, it's okay to hug your friend. I fear that there may be, right now, a growing generation that will forever be crippled by, by this coronavirus. That there will be uh, something that lingers in the mind and follows these poor youngsters throughout life as they grow. I hope I'm wrong. Baby Piper, uh, for her nine-month uh, visit with the pediatrician, that was a question that my wife asked. Uh, I was lucky enough to, to join the appointment via Zoom, and my wife asked, how are children going to fare? How are kids doing with uh, both the anxiety of this coronavirus? How are they doing uh, mentally? And how will they emerge once this is all over? You know, us adults, we're pretty resilient and we've uh, lived through a bunch of life and we can bounce back and we certainly will bounce back. Uh, But the response from the pediatrician was that, uh, you know, we just don't know. We, we, We really have no idea. There has never been an experience through which we have passed to uh, inform our understanding of this circumstance. We don't know. And I guess it falls on us parents to figure out how to mitigate that or to mitigate any damage that might befall our little babies as we hopefully someday emerge on the other side of this and teach them not uh, the, the, a return to normalcy, but what, what will be someday their new normal as their whole life right now has been dominated uh, by this fear. All right, maybe there are some tools that can help. Maybe that song there from Cartoon Network you heard me play, uh, maybe that'll help. Yeah, maybe songs like this will help. Yesterday, uh, I got a, a piece of... Uh, a piece of literature, this one published in the Deseret News by the great Herb Scribner, and it is a list of new books that will teach your child about social distancing and COVID-19. It, it, here's what I did. I, I went through the list, and I, I picked out the, the coolest title. You, you hear me every once in a while make reference to Aunt Rona. Yeah, I, I, like, to, I like to say Rona. Right. It's my defiant way of making reference to this nasty thing. Right. I'm not going to call you by your covid name or your SARS, HV, whatever to not not even coronavirus. You are Rona, you little jerk. <laughs> That's my attitude boiled down. Well, I bought one of these books. It's a, a book for little kids. And uh, I bought one for Piper last night and I read it to her and it's called Rona Stole My Fun. I was going to read you a portion of it, but I've run out of time. And so I will instead uh, direct you to uh, my Facebook page right now where you can uh, check out a list of these books. This is fascinating. It's, ch- it's children's books. 
children's books. You can publish books real quickly these days. There are a number of folks who have thought either uh, here's an opportunity to make some money or here is an opportunity uh, to teach uh, children about this virus in a way that is uh, palatable to them. And so I got one. I got one for Piper. It's called uh, it's called Rona Stole My Fun. It's about this little four-year-old girl who goes up against uh, Rona. She abides by all the safety guidelines and does all that's necessary to, to keep herself safe. And you know how the book ends? Uh, well, I don't want to ruin it for you. Spoilers and all. Okay, I'll tell you. We beat the virus. How about that? All right. Uh, quick break. I want to open up the text line to you, 57500. If you could offer me any advice on how to uh, you know, keep my little baby's head straight as she grows up in the COVID era or, or what it's been like for you speaking with your children about the coronavirus. How are they doing? Let me know. 57500. That's the Utah Community Credit Union text line. Quick break. Back with more on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. This is Live Mike. Live Mike with Lee Lonsberry. Welcome back to Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry. This is the final segment of today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, Let me repeat my uh, plea of earlier. We here are now 202 episodes into this new program. That may sound like a lot, right? Almost a year you and I have been gathering together here each afternoon uh, to look back over the news. I've shared with you some uh, insight into my own little family. In fact, uh, if you make your way, this is funny, and uh, and I'm not going to talk about the fly. I said once and only we had a laugh about it earlier, not bringing it up again, but uh, there is on my Facebook page right now, if you make your way to uh, Lee Lonsberry there on Facebook, the live mic uh, logo is up in the corner of the profile picture. On there, you will see a little picture. And, and people tell me all the time, Lee, you talk too much about Piper. All right, everyone thinks, uh, well, you're the only one who thinks she's as cute as she is. All right, so dial it down. Everyone thinks their kid's the cutest. Well, not everyone has a radio show, so here I am, and here I'm talking about my own little baby daughter. Make your way over to my Facebook page, and you're going to see a photo that it's, it's from a few weekends ago. We were outside having some lunch. She's sitting there, and what happened? A fly, yeah, a fly landed almost in the exact same spot as where it landed on on, on Vice President Pence's head uh, last night for those few moments during the debate. Uh, I, I'm not going to be distracted uh, from the substance of the debate by dwelling on uh, what is likely to become, uh, and already certainly has become, a meme making its way around the Internet now. But I've got that cute picture. I want to show it off, maybe take advantage of it for a few likes. So make your way over there and like it. Uh, I also wanted to talk about some of the impact that the coronavirus has had on children. Not the not the not the physical impact necessarily, and not the direct impact, as we know. And in fact, as I'm looking right now at the data here in Utah uh, on the state's website, coronavirus.utah.gov, you can look at case counts, and very fascinatingly, they have broken down uh, the, the case counts by by age. And so you can look at age categories. And as I look here, 0 to 1 and 1 to 14, uh, those two age categories uh, have experienced throughout the course of this pandemic a a very, very low uh, case count. And so what does that tell us? It says that uh, little kids uh, are not, uh, you know, contracting the coronavirus at a rate like 
uh, older age groups. And if you move on to the more heartbreaking category of deaths, uh, even less. Okay, little kids are resilient. Uh, they are slow to catch the virus, uh, and they are slow to die from the virus. And that's that's very good. Uh, I'm going to make a point here in just a second, but as I'm looking at these age breakdowns, th- there's something I want to share. Earlier today, we heard from the governor all of these high numbers, right? The the new positive number is uh, 1,500 plus. Uh, there are more people in the hospital right now suffering from the coronavirus than uh, than ever before here in the state of Utah. The percent positive rate remains uh, 13 plus percent. Uh, we got to get all that down. And I, I think there may be, and now listen, I'm no statistician. Uh, I, I am not an epidemiologist. There are far smarter people who we should entrust to analyze these numbers. But there is one observation that I would make, and it comes uh, from a prediction made by Dr. Stenium a few weeks ago. And it was uh, his prediction that <clears throat> those earlier spikes, when we saw uh, those incredibly high uh, case count numbers, remember that, that that one day was 911 and our jaws dropped. We hadn't seen anything like that. Uh, and then we eclipsed 1,000. Well, when those numbers were coming through, we uh, were also able to observe that the age making up the majority part of those case numbers of those positive case numbers, was coming from the age group 15 to 24. And as I look at the chart here, I can see those few weeks ago, these incredibly high spikes. The prediction then was that we were going to stress hospitalization rates and we would see an uptick in deaths. Well, that's happened. That's happened. It was predicted that those high uh, case counts amongst the younger people would then be transferred to the older generations and we would see the impact on uh, those older individuals uh, you know, as the next few weeks uh, played out. Well, that prediction, uh, as far as my calendar is concerned, is proving to be, uh, it's coming to fruition. The hospitalizations and the deaths we are seeing today may very well be of those individuals who came in contact with the young people of two, three weeks ago uh, who uh, kicked off this recent spike. Now, where is the bright spot in all of this, if there is one? Well, I think as I look at this data here, I am seeing a fairly significant drop-off in the concentration of young people, 15 to 24, contracting this virus. It is now more spread uh, throughout the, the age groups. In fact, I'm seeing an uptick uh, in those 25 to 44, 45 to 64. Those may be uh, the individuals who came in contact uh, with those uh, with those younger people. And so maybe, just maybe, that we are because we are seeing a fall off in the virus's uh, prevalence amongst the 15 to 24s, that that similar fall off uh, will happen amongst the other age groups. I sure hope so. I sure hope the kids are getting smart. I sure hope the kids are getting cautious. I sure hope that the kids, if they are getting sick, uh, the younger people, 15 to 24, they are doing all they can to limit their exposure to the older people in their life. Because we may today be seeing uh, deaths and hospitalizations resulting uh, from interaction with young people just a few weeks ago. I hope that's not the case. And that's a tangent that I've taken you down. Just my observation there. The the point I wanted to make was that young people, the youngest little babies, 0 to 1, 1 to 14 even, those groups have demonstrated remarkable resilience to this virus. And yet there are still concerns that I have with the, with the mental development of these young people. Many of them are growing up. Uh, and their first memories will be of a world in which everyone wore a mask, 
Their first memories will be of a world where everyone was figuratively looking over their shoulder uh, for this invisible foe. Their earliest memories will be of a day when we were obsessively spraying down with Lysol all of our contact surfaces. I'm sitting here in my hand uh, right now holding the bottle of Lysol that when I sign off here in about a minute... I'll spray into a paper towel, I'll wipe down the console, I'll swap out the microphone here, and I will do all that I can so that I don't, you know, should the, the, the worst be the case, and I've got the corona right now, I don't pass it on uh, to the next broadcaster that takes up position right here. There are kids growing up in this world. And I worry about the lingering fears staying with them throughout life. There is a sector of little kids today uh, who, when this is all said and done and we've got the coronavirus behind us, they won't be returning to normal. They will, in fact, need to be taught a new normal. Normal for them is masks. Normal for them is not visiting grandma. Normal for them is not hugging their friends at school. Normal for them is being afraid of sneezing at school because they might get sent home. It's tough stuff, and I hope it doesn't cripple a generation of Americans. That is my plea. I'm going to be looking more into this topic, reaching out to psychologists and the smart people, and we'll bring that to you uh, later this week and into next week. That's my promise. Time for me to sign off. Make way for Maria Chaleos as she fills in for Jeff Kaplan's Afternoon News here on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.